to Bickering Peaks with your hosts, Aiden and Lindsay. Yes, hello. <laughs> Here we are, back again to talk about another episode of Twin Peaks. Yes. We are on episode three of season one. Yep. Which is called Zen or the Skill to Catch a Killer. And before we get too deep into this, I thought we would introduce our guest. illustrious guest who is on the show with us tonight. Uh, her name is Alexis, and she is joining us from Portland. Via Skype. Via Skype. So, <laughs> hi, Alexis. Hello. How are you tonight? Uh, I am well. How are you? Very good. Not Very too good. Bad, yeah. yeah, that's good. So, uh, Alexis, before uh, we go into any discussion about the episode, we thought we'd just throw it out to you. Um, what is your... Connection to Twin Peaks? Yeah. Like, how did you get into it? And, um, uh, yeah, what, what is it? What is its meaning to you now? All right. So, when I was very young, my dad would listen to the music over and over again, and it made me curious because it was very uh, distinctive music. So I asked him, what is this music? And he <laughs> said, Twin Peaks. And I said, what is Twin Peaks? <laughs> so he explained uh, the story about a killer named Bob who left his name under women's fingernails. And, and there's this woman named Laura Palmer and yeah. all that stuff. Uh, so it was something that I was always aware of growing up, uh, but I didn't actually see anything until much later. Um, as for what it means to me now, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it means anything to me. <laughs> but obviously you enjoy the show still, right? Like it's it's yes. clearly, I mean, would you put it in your top 10 favorite shows or top 20 or? Probably top 10. Okay, it gets more complicated if you include miniseries. Ah, uh, But if yes. there aren't miniseries... <laughs> Definitely top ten. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's so hard to rank things. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Top ten. I'd yeah, say top ten. Yeah, definitely. Wait. So when did you actually watch the the show for the first time? If the music was what got you in as a kid, when did you actually watch the the series? Right. Uh, when I was a senior in high school, I finally decided to dive into the world of Twin Peaks. Yeah. I can't remember what prompted me to do so, but I do remember being stuck inside because that year there was like a snowstorm. So it was like really dark and I was trapped with my family <laughs> and we just gathered around the computer and binge watched Twin Peaks. Oh, and man. It was like, yeah, it was great because it was like super creepy like the show was creepy. It was. It was great. Yeah. Wow. That is great. Yeah. That yeah, actually. Fell in love. That leads me to another question that I wanted to ask you is, live, coming from Portland, living in the the Pacific Northwest, uh, which is where the show is set. Do you feel any special connection to the show because of where you grew up and where you live, and and does the show capture the feeling of of that area of the United States? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Um. I don't know if I feel like a connection to the show because it takes place in the Pacific Northwest or anything like mm -hmm. that, but I am very excited that it takes place in the Pacific yeah. Northwest. Like, I'm like, what's my home? Ah! <laughs> so that, that's usually uh, my... my what I'm thinking while I'm watching it. Uh, I, do, I do think, okay, watching the scenes in the hotel and all the cabin stuff, it does actually make me think of like field trips that I uh, took when I was little. Like there were, cool. there were lots like that. Yeah. Um, 
And you you asked if it was a, an accurate portrayal of the yeah. person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, like scenery wise, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> terrible well no but it's funny because like the first episode is obviously filmed on location and then the rest are filmed in california so it does lose some of that like we notice it when when there's you know not to disparage the pacific northwest but you guys don't get a lot of sunshine right so there's just more sunshine in southern california that comes through in those scenes that are filmed outdoors in later episodes so I guess you might be right. Um, yeah, like I'm, I'm just not the most observant uh, <laughs> watcher person of TV shows, so mm. like that's not something I've actually noticed. I mean, I did know that the first episode was filmed in the in the Pacific Northwest, yeah. uh, which I think is really awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm not sure where. Well, actually, for the time of year, it probably it, it might actually should have maybe should have been. A bit gloomier. Yeah. Outdoors. Hmm. Yeah. About that. Yeah. Maybe it's because yeah. the show is already pretty gloomy anyway, yeah. subject-wise, that you don't notice <laughs> so much notice, if the yeah. sun is shining. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, let's jump into the episode here. Uh, I'll give a brief recap, and then we can uh, get into some background and then start analyzing this this mother. Dale demonstrates odd deductive techniques for the sheriff's department. Benjamin and his brother take a trip. And Donna and James plan to solve Laura's murder. There it is. It's a pretty good recap, I guess. Yeah. It's a lot of what happens. I mean... Well, that's what a recap is. The odd deductive... Te- yeah, thanks, Lens. The odd deductive te- deductive techniques is very broad description, but um, yeah. It does. It captures everything that happens. Fine. Yes, it does. Yes. Yes, okay. it does. Yeah. Um, so this uh, episode was written and directed by David Lynch. Uh, Mark Frost also wrote it as well. Um, so we're still smack dab in the middle of those early episodes that are totally hands-on mm-hmm. from the, the showrunners and executive producers of the show. Yeah. Um, and it takes place on the, the later part of the night of Saturday, February 25th, and Sunday, February 26th. So a couple of days after... Laura's murder. Yeah. So, uh, the yeah. log lady intro, shall we start there? Sure. Yep. Makes sense. Uh, she describes, oh yeah, she's talking about ideas and yes. where they come from. Where do ideas come from? Where do ideas come from? And, uh, then she jumps to dreams. <laughs> she says yes. some, some can, uh, arrive in the form of a dream. And, uh, yeah, never was a more Lynchian <laughs> thing said that was also true because, uh, that's really dreaming is one of the main themes in this episode mm-hmm. and, and it comes up again and again and uh, you get Cooper talking about it you have Cooper experiencing his dream um, and then there's a bunch of other dream kind of imagery that we we kind of noted throughout that, right. that kind of touches and uh, goes throughout the episode so it's definitely a, a dream-filled episode yes um, and also yeah the ideas about who killed Laura Palmer is the ultimate idea that everyone's mm-hmm. looking into right. so yeah Anything to add? I have nothing else to add. Alexis, okay. do you have anything to add? <laughs> I do not. Excellent. Okay. okay. So let's move on to the very first scene. We open on the Horn family dining room. And this, I don't know how long it is. It's got to be at least two minutes or three minutes of just. It's not that long. It I might be a minute. I think it might be. It feels long it anyway. It feels long, yeah. Of true. just the Horn family eating dinner. And the and sound of, yeah. of forks and knives on plates and. Uh, it goes through the whole like starring written by like, yeah all like the credits. all the opening yeah. credits yeah. and then there's no talking it's just them eating dinner it's very uh, well it's it I guess would be the a very Lynch 
intro. Would yeah, it not? yeah, it is. I mean, I uh, think that's he has maybe lots of shots like that where he's just he's staring at something and doesn't seem like much is happening, but you know, you just keep staring. So yes, <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah, it's very unique. But we uh, were introduced right away. the The first character with any speaking parts in this episode is Uncle Jerry. Uncle Jerry has returned. We haven't seen him yet, right? This is the first time. I think so. And uh, he's coming back from Paris, I think. I think. Is well, that yeah, what he's talking he has, about? He has those yeah. baguettes. Yeah. 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 So I'm thinking he's he's coming back from, from Paris with these baguettes. And, uh, and yeah, we, we get introduced to Uncle Jerry. I don't know. He's kind of a quirky character, isn't he? Yeah. And, yeah, right away you get a mix of not just him but also the family dynamic. Yeah. Like you get uh, uh, what's Ben's wife's name? Sylvia. Sylvia. Wow. Yes. Uh, Sylvia's reaction to Jerry is very like, oh, aghast. She just she can't stand him. As soon as he gets close, she just screams for Ben to yeah. to save her. Maybe I, I don't, don't know. know. Just an anger, really. Um, and yeah, like they just take over the conversation and they interrupt the whole family meal of utter silence to in talk order to about eat these, those baguettes. The baguettes and it's just food plays a really funny role in this in in Twin Peaks, doesn't it? Like it's kind of everybody has. I mean, yeah, if they're not like, drinking coffee, they're eating pie, or they're talking about food, or... Donuts, or... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What does food represent? <laughs> I don't I know. I have no idea. It's, it's just, weird, but it's like it's like almost like a like a fetish thing. It's like... Well, yeah. Everybody just like loves food in this, and they, they, they talk about it all the time, and how great it is, and yeah, it's just a weird... Yeah, a food... Weird, like, I never noticed that. That's so interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's true. It has to do with appetites, I think. Like the the, mm. it's not not just their physical appetites for food and needing sustenance, but you know, I, I mean, Cooper eats so much too, right? Like he's just always eating, and he he's so trim. Like where does he keep it? So anyway, yeah, Ben and Jerry, yeah. which Ben and Jerry also food related, yeah. right? Oh yeah. I, yeah, there, I, there's something there. There's something there. There's gotta be. Sure. <laughs> they sit there they're talking with their mouths full and they're eating these baguettes and then and then ben says uh he excuses himself from the dinner table and takes jerry outside and uh yeah um alexis maybe you have some insight into the what happens next like the the conversation kind of takes a, a strange turn doesn't it between these two yes uh, i'd say so um so ben first informs Jerry that Laura Palmer has been murdered mm-hmm. and then talks about the uh, the business deal that that sort of has come to a halt and of course the the, the first thing Jerry reacts to is not the fact that a young woman has been murdered <laughs> but the fact that this business deal has uh, has stalled yeah and i think that's pretty funny Leland's daughter was murdered and the Norwegians left. Did they sign? Deal's off. We had those Vikings by the horns. What happened? We're not 100% sure. They took the translator with them. Did you say Leland's daughter was murdered? Yes. I'm depressed. 
It well, is, it yeah. does illustrate really well how uh, craven these two are, yeah. right? That they're, mm-hmm. you know, the Norwegians are the main focus of of his, you know, torment. Focus, yeah. 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 But, but then right away, uh, Ben says, uh, oh, I know how to fix that. There's a new girl at One-Eyed Jack's. Um, yes. And is this the first time you hear about One-Eyed Jack's? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think it is. I don't think we've heard of One-Eyed Jack's yet, have we, Alexis? Uh, I don't recall. I'm pretty sure. It. I'm pretty sure this is the first time. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, and he also mentions that it's uh, she's freshly perfumed. Or no, freshly scented. Freshly scented. Freshly scented from the perfume counter. So it's uh, it's a connection to Ronette. Ronette, right? Who we yeah. who we learned in a previous episode was uh, also employed at the perfume counter. Um, so immediately there's a connection being drawn now between the what happened to Ronette who worked at the perfume counter and this new girl who worked at the perfume counter and Ben and Jerry who Somehow have some connection. Well, obviously they, they run the Horns department store, but no, they also have some connection. To, yeah. Yeah. To one-eyed Jack. So yeah. And to Ronette. Yeah. And so the, it's, it's starting to become a very tangled situation here. Um, I, we were wondering about this. Is it clear at this point that Ben and Jerry are the owners or that Ben anyway is the owner of one-eyed Jack's? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's implied, isn't it? Like, it's kind of... Well, is the, is the next scene where they go to One-Eyed Jack's? Well, we go to the Haywards first. Okay. And we see the Haywards. And I, I like that contrast between yeah, that's right. the, the Horn family dinner, which is so kind of dysfunctional and there's no talking and it's, you know, yeah, it's, it, it's a weird... This is a weird dynamic, yeah. To, to the, the Hayward family, which is much warmer. And, uh, and Alexis, I think you had brought this up before that... Um, that the colors of the the Horn family dining room versus the Hayward family home it's it it's kind of a visual Change cue for too, us yeah. right yeah definitely i mean the the, uh, the horns dining area it's all dim and moody mm-hmm. and then also you've just got all these hard i guess textures or something i don't know yeah. what word to use there it's like like wood and stone yeah um whereas at Donna's it's all like pink like light sort of colors it's very warm looking and there are all these cushions because it's on a couch I don't know yeah. it just looks very comfy yeah it's very it's very but in like a 1980s comfy like overstuffed cushions <laughs> yeah. and pinks Pink, and, and yeah. yeah yeah but it's, but it's true yeah, yeah it is very it's just such a different environment so immediately and and it comes back later when when we get Donna and Audrey meeting up in the double R but these two girls coming from such different families and different in, different home environments, it mm-hmm. kind of informs their uh, their characters a little bit by extension, I think. It, which is something that Twin Peaks does a really good job of, I think, is using setting and um, an environment to to inform our opinions or our knowledge of a character. Yeah, it's something David Lynch does really well, anyway. Throughout yeah, all yeah, his films, for sure. But, and yeah, here, yeah, it's a really good example. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Aiden, so, you wanted to talk about we're, we go right to One Eye Jacks yes. after this, and you wanted to talk about the uh, the look of One Eye Jacks. The look of One Eye Jacks. Maybe let's talk first about what One Eye Jacks is. Well, it's a brothel. It's a brothel, but it's also a casino. It's a pleasure palace. It is. It is Biff Tannen's pleasure palace from oh Back to the Future Two, brought into 1989. Alexis, you've seen Back to the Future, right? Yes, I have. Okay, okay excellent. Okay, good. That's, that was <laughs> there. No. We just we just want to make sure we're not throwing out pop culture references that nobody 
Well, who doesn't know? Who hasn't Back seen to Back future? to the Future? Especially two. It's got the hoverboard. Come on, it's the cool one. I, I haven't seen the second <gasps> one. Is that? Yeah, I think I've only seen the first. Uh, well, the first okay. one is is, is the, best the first one's one. the best that movie. Has, yeah. Yeah. But the second one has cool like. Well, it features. has Biff Tannen's Pleasure Palace. So <laughs> now yeah. you have to now watch have it to watch just it, so you sorry. can see <laughs> what we're talking about. Yeah, it's enjoyable. Yeah. Don't I need to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, they arrive there, and they, they kind of walk in, and it's... So, well, yeah, when Jax is across the border, right? Yeah, this it's is in Canada. in Canada, which Aiden and I, as Canadians... Just take offense. Take by. offense. <laughs> we do. We take strong offense. And this is a hard thing for Canadians to admit. We're so polite. We don't like to ruffle feathers. But we've got to say, David Lynch, if you're listening to this, why do you have to make Canada... All the bad guys. All the bad guys are from Canada. All the bad things happen in Canada. Yeah. Maybe it's because it's unexpected. Maybe. Maybe. Hey, that's a good theory. Nobody. It's like the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody expects the Canadians to be the nasty (laughs) ones, right? So. Yeah, we don't have brothels here either. Like, it's not legal. Whatever's going on there, just to set the record straight. It's not like it's okay in Canada. No. I mean, we're pretty liberal, but you know, we don't go that far yet. But anyways, um, yeah. So they they walk in. uh, Ben and Jerry, or they arrive on boat. Yeah, they do. And they meet a. They meet a. Uh, one of the girls from uh, One Eye Jacks yeah, on the um, on the pier, um, yeah. the harbor. I don't know if it's really a harbor, but <laughs> yeah, on the, the dock. on the dock. Thank you. And uh, it's weird because like Jerry just like I don't know like does he squeeze no, her cheeks? Or something? It's Ben. It's Ben. Why sorry. do you have such a problem with these names? Names are not my forte. I've said this a million times. Yeah, I I'll know. say it again. I know. Stop correcting me. Okay. Well, no, I'm going to correct idiot. you so that okay. everybody knows who you're talking about. Okay, that's a good point. So Ben. Yeah. He continue. Uh, he meets this woman, and I don't remember. He does something weird. Yeah, like, he's just very physical with her. He like yeah, touches like, her just, arms, yeah. and he's, you know, he's and, skeevy right from this. Yeah. Now, Ben, we're not going to go in the casino first, are we? Yeah. Didn't come here to lose my shirt. I just came to take it off. Yeah. It just sets up right away. Like we haven't even been inside this place, and we already know what we're going to get. Yeah. So, uh, and then we do go right inside, yeah. and it's kind of a weird. It almost, Alexis, maybe you can speak to this too because you brought up the the horn living room or the horn dining room, but it almost reminds me of their abode, doesn't it? Like it's kind of the same kind of dark woods and everything, right? Yeah, definitely. So I, I don't even think about that. I don't know. Is that is that like a, a, a stylistic choice on the horns part or is this just... Uh, well, just, yeah, it has that cabin feel, right? It's like, it's like, yeah. it's been hewn from... Is that the right word? Hewn, yeah. Yeah, okay. Hewn from, like, from nature. Like, they just, mm. they took nature apart and put it together a, a whorehouse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it's just a, it's right. kind of an odd, you kind of get more of the, the feel of the place because all the girls mm-hmm. uh, come out from behind this red satin curtain. and uh, The 52 pickups. Okay, yeah. Because they're all dressed up like, uh, they're uh, cards. They have yeah. cards sewn to their... Or incorporated into their outfits, and they're dressed like, you know, nineteenth-century burlesque dancers. Yeah, almost like with but, like, like 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 corsets and stuff. Like it's yeah, it's like, very like a Klondike almost. Yeah, feel. feel. They, just, they just look like cards to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what the outfits remind me of. Yeah, no, exactly. So it's kind of fitting that they'd be in a in a brothel, right? That also doubles as a casino. That mm-hmm. you'd have, you know, you play cards and then you go play with the cards. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I didn't think of that. I'm just gonna say that like all like throughout this. <laughs> yeah. That's true, and and yeah, so you get this kind of weird aesthetic of like um, all the bad things of 
human nature are kind of present in this one thing, and it all kind of comes out of this red room right like, uh, kind of look right. of um, like the women come out and Blackie, the the headmistress, mm-hmm. is that what you call her? Sure. Okay. Uh, she comes out as well, and Ben like gives her a big Shakespearean <laughs> speech and. Blackie. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. Rough winds do shake the darling buds of May, and every fair from fair sometimes declines by chance or nature's changing course untrimmed. But thy eternal summer shall not fade, nor lose possession. Yeah, and it's just it's just a, a weird uh, kind of mesh of like the the same kind of uh, earthy goodness of the cabin feel. And then completely supplanted by all the bad things that are that are obviously going on inside that humans are doing inside the the walls of the place. Right. That's kind of my take on it is that it's another kind of example of nature on its own is is a positive thing in the series kind of. Um, is it really? Well, I don't know. Like they they seem to love like when Cooper drives in in the very first episode, he's talking about the trees and how wonderful it is and. Later on, he sees ducks, and he's like, oh, my God, ducks. Like, mm-hmm. he's just, he's spellbound by nature. Um, and it's supposed to be like, oh, these are all the beautiful, natural things here. Yeah, but then the Bookhouse Boys exist to to fight the evil that lives in the woods. Well, but so. is, does the evil live in the woods, or is it because man has come in there and cut down the woods well, and turned them into a whorehouse? Like, is that, I don't know, that's always the kind of the moral I took out of it. Okay. Um, I don't know. Did, did, did you, did anything else, like, jump out at you, Alexis? Uh, about one-eyed jacks. Yeah, and like, or even like, how the Blackie or any of the characters there, or anything. Um. Well, I um. Okay, this is completely random, but are Ben and Jerry the only ones there? It seems that like they are. Yeah. The, okay. There's nobody else but, like, in the bar before for it sure. opens or something. Are they there early or something? <laughs> yeah. Or do they do they phone ahead and like just you know close the place down? We're coming up. Like I don't yeah. know how that how that works. Yeah, because it seems like they're the only ones there, and mm-hmm. it makes me curious. So. Well, I think that's why that's why I always assumed that they were the owners, even before we're told that they're the owners. Mm-hmm. I, I just always assumed that they were, just because of the special treatment that they're given here. So yeah, because right. they makes do sense. they do seem like they, well, yeah, they're the only ones in that room anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and it's it's weird because it's a Saturday night, right? Yeah. Like you'd think yeah. if there was a place like that, it'd be busy on Saturday night. And maybe this yeah. is like the high rollers table, like it's a private room. Yeah, maybe private space. Oh, I, don't mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll have to look at it when when we come back to One Eye Jacks uh, several epi- episodes from now. I think it takes place in that same room though, so I don't know. Okay. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely it's cool. It's a cool place. Definitely worth. Uh, yeah. I also like that the curtain at the back. Yeah. That the the new girl comes out of, and she takes Ben is the one who ends up winning yeah, the opportunity, yeah, to sleep with this new girl, and she kind of leads him back through these pink satin curtains that I think look like a vagina. That's all I can see when I when I look at this is just this yonic kind of symbol at the back of the room. Everything with you is a vagina and a penis. It's well, just you know, <laughs> I I. You see what you see, I guess. Yeah. You know, don't fight it. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes a cigar is a cigar. Sometimes <laughs> it's, more. it's more. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, I, I never would have noticed if you hadn't pointed that out. So. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't, but I'm also, as I said, very unobservant. 
So. Well, it could be that I'm a pervert. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it could go either way. Maybe yeah. Canadians are really just messed up. Yeah. David Lynch has an inside track on this. And, and yeah. anyway. It's true. Uh, so, yeah, that that's what happens at One-Eyed Jacks anyway. And uh, and then we, we go back. So this is still all taking place Saturday night. We, f- we fly back to the Hayward's house is the next scene. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and we just get another brief, you know, Donna and James moment that, you know, they talk about how they're how in love they are with each other which i don't know it just it seems like it's it's just a teenage thing but in this pressure cooker situation of the death of laura and all the things that have been happening maybe that's influencing their well the problem is is i have never cared about them enough to really (laughs) think about it like i know the first time i watch it i didn't dislike them yet yeah but i can't remember what i thought at that point right um i mean i i probably always just assumed it was like actual love Mm -hmm. like like yeah sure i buy it you know like yeah but like i don't know the rest of the show sort of tainted them for me yeah it is it is hard and we've talked about this before like having watched this several times already through mm-hmm. you know we come into it with these preconceived notions we know where James's character is going we know where Donna's going and we just don't like them as much so it's hard to take them seriously now and I don't remember how I felt about them at the beginning I think I must have felt some kind of sympathy for it though for mm-hmm. what happened but Aiden doesn't Aiden's sitting here shaking his head no he I'm with you 100% Alexis I don't care about them after well no they are pretty boring it's a pretty boring storyline yeah. so yeah. yeah yeah when I watch it now like I'm looking at my notes and I was like why 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny and yeah. True. yeah and true yeah. very true yeah. yeah like why interrupt when like when I jacks why yeah. just keep yes, going yeah. when I jacks or or just go straight from One Eye Jacks to the Great Northern. Let's let's yeah. get back to Cooper, right? Because he's obviously the best. It's true. So, and I <laughs> and love this. Happens. I love his introduction in the scene. Aiden, Aiden, I, you never even noticed it until we watched it this time. That he toots on the. Oh, he's no, been I whittling. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, this this, this I last love time. it. It's so funny, right? It's hilarious. Yeah. It's cute. Yeah, he's just he's just so wholesome. Yeah. I just want to fold him up and put him in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, he toots on his horn. Does he get a, he gets a phone call? I think from Hawk. Yeah. Right. And and they talk about how Hawk has seen the one eye one arm man at the hospital again. Um, and then he gets a note under the door that says Jack with one eye, and he smells it. And we have to assume he well Audrey's music plays over this scene too. Oh, so I never noticed that. Yeah. So you get that uh, that link right away to. Audrey Horn, so she slipped this note under the door, and we've just been to One Eye Jacks, so now she knows that. Well, the audience knows for sure. Cooper doesn't yeah. at the point. At yeah, this well, point, he doesn't but... know that what it means, but yeah, so kind of a nice little mm-hmm. little touch there. Yeah, um, that was a great shipper kind of moment. Yeah, for me. yes, like yes. smells it, and then he smiles, and I was like, yes, yeah, <laughs> that he remembers her perfume, and yeah, yes, yeah, it's a, definitely yeah. Yeah, real quick. Um, I want to. I want to know why she doesn't just talk to him. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I mean, it, instead of like instead of leaving a note, she could have just. Well, and she even she knocks on the door too, right? Yeah. So she knocks on the yeah. door and then slips a note under. So she could have just waited and talked to him. 
Yeah, is she weird. just like is she just trying to like spark interest or something by being mysterious or or something? I don't Actually, know. Yeah. It could be. I mean, it, it it calls back to a lot of those you know old uh, you know pulp detective novels and stuff where you know mysterious notes are found under doors all the time. So Audrey could just be fitting into a role that she thinks she has to play. Like she, you know, she's playing coy. I think right. Uh, yes. Maybe. That makes sense. Yeah. But it also it also sets up like I mean I don't know. Would yeah, the scene have been better had they had no, they had a face to face? This is this is better because he plus you don't want to know what one eye Jax is just yet. Like you yeah. don't want Cooper to know. You want him to discover that a little right. bit later, right? I, I like it. I mean yeah, I don't think I think she's I mean, also just it. shy and maybe like she doesn't want him to oh. know that she's helping him just yet. Yeah. Um yeah, no, it's definitely. A but crazy. I like the scene, Alexis. Mm-hmm. I think you said the same thing. You, you still like it. It's just. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense now. Thinking about her being shy, I kind of like that explanation. Yeah, <laughs> She's yeah, shy. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It kind of fits with yeah. the characterization yeah. thus far. Makes sense. Yeah. Um. So then, yeah, the last night scene that we get in this episode is uh, Mike and Bobby. Yeah. Off in the woods, um, to... trying to collect on the last of the drugs that they're picking up from leo yeah. and they have an encounter with leo in in the dark in you know the woods yeah 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 it's it's uh it's an ominous scene it is. not just because leo is such a, a scary guy and or it, not scary i guess dangerous he's he's well yeah he's a threatening no, he's, figure, yeah, he's a threat, right? he's a, yeah he's scary i guess <laughs> he's scary yeah. yeah maybe yeah okay he's he's scary but he's not scary in a supernaturals sense yeah sure but there is a supernatural presence or something i don't know i that's how i interpret it that that mysterious figure oh yeah yeah bobby and mike or who asked bobby is are you someone here with you and you get it but you get it like the camera does show there's a figure figure there and he dumped a hooded figure too i don't notice a hood i think they're wearing a hood i'll buy it yeah i'd buy a hood yeah i I think there was a hood okay yeah and then he like jumps behind the or he steps out back behind the the tree and leo says like don't worry don't worry about it it." so it's almost like leo knows that there's someone there or maybe he just doesn't care yeah and well he has a shotgun so yeah i don't think he's too scared of much right then um but he has you never really find out who it is Mm because i mean you are shown it there is somebody there Mm -hmm. but you never find out who it is or what the relationship is or why they're there or anything like that it's one of those things that you just never find out in twin beings yeah, it, it's like a typical kind of David Lynch move to just have something weird and it's never explained. You just keep. But there are multiple interpretations. Like there could be somebody there. It could be something that that Bobby thinks is there. Maybe he's just paranoid about. Yeah, maybe he's maybe he's imagining mm-hmm. seeing something actually but, there. Yeah, but it, it's cool. I mean, I like that scene for a lot of reasons. There's all the the cool. Uh, work with the flashlight like leo illuminates his face to be all scary and like a campfire yeah yeah like ghost story yeah and uh and then when they're running away from him because uh, he threatens them uh the the flashlight flashlights all over the place, over the place and it's the camera isn't looking where they're running it's it's like do you a, notice also that uh i think it's in the scene when they're walking up into the woods the the flashlight illuminates the trees in front of them and you see their silhouettes projected onto the trees so the light is coming from behind them oh i never noticed that yeah so it's 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 a weird i i mean we've talked about how time and space kind of have a weird relationship to one another in this place where you can't really set it down in stone 
but now it almost seems like the light doesn't fit either. It's disorienting, right? Like, who's holding the flashlight if you can see Mike and Bobby illumined or silhouetted against the trees? Mm-hmm. Who's holding the flashlight behind them, right? Which is just a, a... It could just be a stylistic choice on the part of the director to, you know, just shine it behind, shine it behind them. Yeah. But it doesn't make sense in the the logic of the, the, the world scene, we're in, yeah. the scene we're in, so... Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe they just made a mistake while yeah. they were It filming. could just be. Maybe we're just analyzing this too much. I but don't know. <laughs> David Lynch be. doesn't make many mistakes. Oh, um, I think okay. he does. I think he, well, I think, yeah. And then we overinterpret him. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> well, and he doesn't say anything about them yeah, either. He yeah. doesn't say yes or no. He just yeah. kind of. Just kind of lets them go. So, yeah, no, I, I yeah, I think that scene's really cool. Um, and it's kind of like, like I mentioned, uh, it's kind of dreamy. Like the way that, uh, yeah. it's almost like a nightmare especially when they're running away and mm-hmm. they, they can't really follow where they're actually running to or anything. Um, and there's just like a threatening presence behind them mm-hmm. in the form of Leo. Um, yeah, it's a really, it's a really cool scene that way. Um, but yeah, yeah. Do you have anything you'd like to add about that, that particular scene there, Alexis? Well, uh, first I, I agree. This is a cool scene. Um, I think my favorite part about it is uh bobby's fixation when leo mentions that shelly is cheating on him yes want to know about problems okay you're on the road driving back and forth gone for days you get back and guess what what you find out your old lady's been giving it away yeah yeah Stepping out in your own damn bedroom. That's a problem. I guess so. I guess it is. Do you know who? Man needs a clean house. Sure, yeah. So do you know who? I'll take care of it. Yeah, it's just, you can tell he's worried. (laughs) Yeah, uh, he's kind of fishing for information without letting on that he knows already yeah yeah because he's the one yeah. who's stripping leo's wife yeah 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 and uh, according to like i don't can i talk about the secret diary of laura palmer yes absolutely right like in the secret diary of laura palmer she talks about how she's told leo that she thinks that um Bobby and Shelly are together, or, or she knows they're together. Um, oh. So, you know, at this point, I, I'm wondering, did they already have that in mind when they were filming this scene, or or not? That's like, interesting. That yeah. Yeah, I never... If Leo knew, that'd, that'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if, he's, uh, if he does know. Because, I mean, it does happen pretty quickly that he... He it's like never finds yeah out, he too. finds out but i think he probably already kind of Has suspected anyway yeah. so maybe mm. you're right i'd forgotten about that it's been a long time since i read the secret diary but i and i'd forgotten that part so that would be interesting to find out mm-hmm. yeah especially because like yeah you can t- if he's like interrogating bobby or trying to in this scene it adds a little extra dimension to like mm-hmm. that whole you know threatening him part you know yeah um and not it, that he needs an, an excuse no. to be an asshole because he 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 does a he great on the time. is one yeah. anyway but it does yeah you're right it layers an extra menace on top of you know now it's not just he's out ten thousand dollars but the guy who owes him the ten thousand dollars is also sleeping with his wife so yeah that that would be that's interesting mm-hmm. huh um so what's 
Oh, you get a brief shot of the uh, the outdoor, the rock throwing scene. You get kind of a setup shot first, right? Uh, maybe you do. Yeah. 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 I think yeah, that's I think it. You do. Yeah. Um. So they get a. They have it all set up. So you get to see they have a whiteboard and uh, yeah, the donuts. Chalkboard. chalkboard. Sorry. Uh, chalkboard and the donuts are out, and uh, they drink coffee. I think. Yeah. Does Lucy fill them up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Offers them hot coffee and Cooper's. He has that funny moment where he spits it out and he says, damn good coffee, but hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, More food. (laughs) More food and drink stuff that's going on there. Especially all the donuts. Like, Nobody is ever going to eat that many donuts. But why does Lucy put out so many all the time? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you you, uh, pointed out, Lindsay, uh, when we were talking earlier about um, that this scene, it's weird because it's like they rebuilt the the sheriff's department uh, boardroom inside. Or outside, 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 yeah. 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 And it just makes no sense, like... Well, but it does in the sense that, I mean, when, when we get to this rock-throwing scene, the the impetus for all of this is is Cooper's dream. And it's a natural process that kind of comes out of his interest in Tibetan Buddhism and Oriental mysticism. And so I think it, it makes sense that not just for, you know... Uh, pragmatic logistical reasons that they need to have 60 feet and 6 inches of space for him to throw these rocks but but it has to take place in nature because it's a it's a, it's it's a, a natural, natural process that is influencing and informing Cooper's abilities here yeah. but before we get to that we missed the, the drape runner scene oh, with, with yeah. at the Hurley house yeah, right yeah. which is the first um, well, it's not the first time we've seen... We, we already know that Nadine Hurley is a little bit off-kilter. But we see just how henpecked Ed is. And I'm, I'm always curious to find out how other people react to this because... Um, yeah, so he comes in dripping oil... And yeah, he drops he drops it all over her drape runner. And then he steps on and them, And steps too. on them and breaks them, and she just f- loses her mind. Oh! Sorry, honey, I didn't see it there. You stepped on my drape runner. Well, honey, it was right out in the middle of the floor. You think that's an accident? I laid those out there myself. I was up all night working on that invention. I'm going to have the world's first 100% quiet runner. I'm real sorry, Nadine. Ed, you make me sick! I feel like it explains why he's... His side piece is Norma, this gorgeous, very sweet owner of the double R. It's like, yeah, well, if this is what you had at home, <laughs> I'd sure be hanging out with Norma a lot more, right? Like, I don't know, but... Yeah. Dad, what did you think of that one, Alexis? Like, what were your... Do you remember what your thoughts were when you kind of first see how how mad she gets at him and everything? I just never liked Nadine, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I never felt much sympathy for her, um, in spite of, I mean, I, I, I've seen, like, talk about her being, like, mentally ill, right? Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, I, I think it's hinted at in, in later episodes that she's not entirely well, which does make me feel a tiny bit of sympathy for her, but she's also just mean, right? Like, and you get yeah. that in this scene. Is that what you're referring to? It makes me feel bad that I don't feel any sympathy for her <laughs> if she does have some sort of mental, like, right. illness thing going on. But, like, um, yeah, I I just do not like Nadine. Yeah. And I, but I also don't really care much about Ed. I don't, like, really dislike him, but I don't really like him either. Right. So I, 
I just don't feel much of anything. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it is. It is a, a strange. I mean, it sets up what's what's coming later with with some of the the their storyline that plays out. Yeah, it's also the first time we see that she has this. It's like she bends the bars of the rowing machine that she's on. Oh, yeah, and that's never really explained how she's able to do she's, that at that she's point. She's just strong. She's just a so. Strong not girl. only is she is she like super angry at Ed, but she's potentially like stronger than him yeah like dangerous to him yeah like, like almost abusive like it's kind of funny because like I, so well, it's like funny, it's like norma it's... has her her husband who's in jail for manslaughter and and ed has his wife who can bend steel rods with her bare hands so yeah they're not going to leave their spouses because they could kill them. they could kill them <laughs> like their lives could be in danger yeah. so uh, maybe maybe that's part of it. I'm I'm not yeah. entirely sure. It could just be quirk for quirk's sake, but it could yeah. be at but this it, point. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, at this point probably. But yeah, it definitely takes on a bit more sinister feel, especially after in the later seasons. Nadine's character goes through some changes. Mm-hmm. And she does feel almost scary at times. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. yeah, but this is I will say this is actually probably the one part of the whole scene that I I kind of like just because it's like it's so weird and kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. Like, how did she do that? I I think to myself, how did they film that? What what substance did they use to to make her bend? Like, I that's where my mind goes. I'm like, is this is do they just use like aluminum can material to like make something? To I don't know. It just that's where my mind goes. (laughs) It's cool though. The practical. How do they film it? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm gonna have to say it again. I didn't think about that. I don't know. I, I think not... you're the only one. Lindsay, yeah. Man, so. All right. All right. Fair <laughs> yeah. enough. I um, accept it. So where do you, do we go to Bobby and Shelley after that? They have a brief no, scene. No, we. Right? No, that was before Ed and Norma. Oh, was it? Okay. I'm sorry. Totally not Ed and Norma. Uh, Ed and Nadine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what so what else? What else happens? What What were you? Gonna well, do? I I have uh, something about uh, the double R. Because does Ed go to see? Norma oh, immediately wait. after that. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Sorry. No, no, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> I think I, my notes all mixed up. Yeah, same here. I think. I think we forgot the the order exactly because I have a lot of like the the uh, rock throwing scene. Yeah. But it's kind of uh, split up a little bit. Um, yeah. Let's just talk about the rock throwing scene and we can come back to the other. Yeah, side. I think I think the rock throwing throwing scene. Blah, I can't speak. Okay. The rock throwing scene is kind of the pivot point for the whole episode, right? So it does take up a substantial it's, yeah, it's amount a of, of time. Episode, yeah. And it does advance the plot considerably, uh, at least the plot of who killed Laura Palmer. By way of explaining what we're about to do, I am first going to tell you a little bit about the country called Tibet. An extremely spiritual country. For centuries, the leader of Tibet has been known as the Dalai Lama. In 1950, communist China invaded Tibet. And while leaving the Dalai Lama nominally in charge, they in fact seized control of the entire country. In 1959, after a Tibetan uprising against the Chinese, the Dalai Lama was forced to flee to India for his life and has lived in exile ever since. Following a dream I had three years ago, I have become deeply moved by the plight of the Tibetan people and filled with a desire to help them. I also awoke from the same dream, realizing that I had subconsciously gained knowledge of a deductive technique involving mind-body coordination operating hand-in-hand with the deepest level of intuition. Sheriff, Deputy Hawk, if you will please assist me, I will now demonstrate. Harry, when I give the word, 
Would you please read aloud each of the names I've written on the blackboard? Okie doke. Deputy Hawk, stand over here and hold this bucket of rocks up near me where I can get to them. Would you please put on the kitchen mittens? Deputy Andy, move down, stand by the bottle. Lucy, take this piece of chalk. Not too near, Andy. Excited. And if I should strike the bottle after Sheriff Truman says a particular name, make a check to the right of that name. It's like super weird. You're watching this scene and you're like, what the hell? Well, and they have that moment where Truman kind of takes him aside, takes Cooper's eyes and says, Did this, the idea for this really come from a dream? And Cooper's just so heartfelt. He says, yes, yes, it did. He's just, yeah, it, he's so giddy it, it, about it. Yeah, it, it, um, it kind of strikes me as like, I don't know, he sort of sounds like enlightened or something to me. Yeah. Like he's, he just says it in this soft way. He's like, yes, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, can't, I can't imitate him. I'm, I'm, this is why I'm not an actress, but, you know. <laughs> no, but the, you're true. totally right. Like, it, it is a, a kind of a reverent, a reverential way he says it. It's yeah. just like... That's a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and then... and But the thing that I love about that is that, is that Truman just goes along with it. He's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, all right, okay, yep, let's do this. <laughs> yep. Hawk puts on the mittens, the oven mitts, which I don't know why he has to put on oven mitts to hold the bucket of rocks. But it's probably a heavy bucket. So. <laughs> probably, I guess. He's just cutting his hands, yeah. Yeah, so, and then and then they go through the the list of names. Truman reads them out. Uh, Lucy's in charge of checking, off, checking or... off or writing down what happens to the, ro- to the bottle after Cooper's thrown the rock for each name. Um... I think more than anything, it's it's a it's a great way of introducing or reintroducing Cooper's uh, kind of odd way of approaching yeah. crime solving. Yeah. But on top of that, just on a more practical level, it, it's a nice way of of for the viewer to kind of you know catalog all of the potential suspects and people of interest in this uh, investigation. Right. Yeah. So we get each after each name is read off, Truman gives a list of how that person might be related to Laura and we get a picture of them or a shot of them. So we get reintroduced to all these characters in, in this town that is slowly filled out. There's dozens of people that were introduced to already. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I think just, it serves a practical purpose as well as being this kind of neat bit of characterization. Yeah, definitely. And and then you get a bit of character from the others too. Like, uh, like when Cooper's throwing the rocks, he's so focused and he, you, you see that dedication and, the yeah. serious way he, he's approaching this. Meanwhile, Lucy is like... Agent Cooper, I'm going to erase this because it's a, a place and not a person. Actually, maybe the person could be in the place. So should I erase it? Yes. Yes? A person could be in a place? Or yes, I should Lucy. erase it? Erase it, Lucy. Hawk is... Well, he's just in there. But uh, Andy gets hit in the head with a, a rock. <laughs> just because, yeah. you know, he's Andy. That's what happens to him. Um, and yeah, it's like they, they mix this little bit of character in there. Yeah, it's, it's, a nice, it's a nice team building exercise. Mm-hmm. It, it's what we would call a team building yes. exercise. Yes, I you guess know? so. <laughs> you go on retreat with your Yeah, your staff members and you're like, oh, we're going to and... throw rocks at bottles now. <laughs> I did want to say that this the part where... Um, the bottle, the one time that the bottle breaks, the bottle gets hit at one point and With it's when Dr. Jacoby. Dr. Jacoby's name yeah. is read, the bottle gets knocked over, but it doesn't break. When the bottle does break, it's on Leo Johnson's mm-hmm. name. And I remember reading somewhere that that was the very first take that Kyle McLaughlin threw the rock and it hit the bottle and it broke it. And 
Lucy's reaction, that's actually Kimmy Robertson's reaction, and they had to struggle to stay in character because they were not expecting it to break. So I, when I watched that scene, it just... It just, I don't know, it just makes me laugh every time yeah, because funny. it's kind of a neat little... Yeah, I didn't know that. That's yeah. that's funny. I don't know if it's I true. really want to rewatch this now. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's really cool when well, you remember, know that, like, yeah. to go and watch it. Because she kind of, like, jumps up and down a little yeah. bit. She's just excited because, yeah, that would be really well, cool. it would be cool set, if, like, like, the very first time you throw it. Yeah, you're, like, you're expecting, okay, this is going to take all day because he's yeah. going to miss a bunch of times. Yeah. But then if he just nails it right away, that's yeah. that's interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah that's cool. Uh well, we go back to the double R here, and uh, oh, yeah. we get Audrey and Donna. Um, uh, it's now Sunday morning after church, and the Hayward family has come in for lunch after the service, and Audrey walks in, and she sits at the counter alone, and she orders a cup of coffee, and Donna decides to go over and say hi. And it's the first little bit of interaction that they've had ever since the pilot when they meet in the hallway, and... Uh, we find out they share a class together, but they don't really have any connection. I don't no. think. Yeah, there's no other. No, I mean they point. just smile at each other in the pilot. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but here we get this this nice little bit of um, friendship building. Not even well, really. I don't even know. It's that like a friends, it's but. like a reaching out because they they both knew Laura, and they're both obviously affected by her death in different ways in different ways obviously and that comes up a little bit here because audrey for almost inexplicably brings up her her father right and, and talks about how like her father used to sing to yes yeah, used to sing to laura and uh she asks donna if yeah. laura ever mentioned her father and it, it just it gets you thinking about what audrey knows and what she what her thought process is going on here like, why is she bringing up her father at all? Um, and and it, it's... But it also is, like, these these two characters relating to one another on, on, like, a girl level. They have this little moment where they talk about, you know, Audrey's burgeoning crush on Agent Cooper and how she's going to drink her coffee black because that's how he does it. And and you get the, the sense they're kind of, you know, this could be a friendship. I don't know if it ever develops into... Real you wouldn't, friendship? You wouldn't... I don't think I would call it a real friendship, no. but but you get the sense that, and there aren't really that many female friendships on the show. So no. so to have two characters where they're not fighting over a guy, it's it's kind of nice. Yeah. But um, yeah. And then Audrey does her dance, which yeah. is yeah. Well, and and it's very uh, like I've uh, like I'd mentioned. There's a couple dream instances. There's kind of like Leo's uh, the meeting with Leo is very kind of dreamy. Uh, then you also get a. Uh, this one is kind of dreamy. In fact, she says, isn't this music dreamy? Right before she starts dancing. And the way everyone's kind of looking at her is like like you would look at a weird thing in a dream. Like you're not really saying, oh my God, this is so weird. I don't know what's going on. It's kind of like, yes, this kind of makes sense in some weird dream-like way where people just well, start dancing. Almost, I think it almost oddly. it speaks to the way that Audrey is perceived by the townsfolk as well. True. That yeah. she's just an oddball character who... Yeah. Yeah, of course she's gonna you know dance seductively to a uh, rock organ in a, in a, in the double yeah. R like yeah. it's yeah that's just totally what Audrey does on a Sunday morning right so I love her <laughs> I really I do yeah do you have anything that you wanted to bring up about this scene Alexis Yeah so to me um, pretty much everything about this like because. This is always on my mind. I can't help it. But, like, the shipper in me is just like, 
oh my gosh, like, just, it, it really seems like she, at her core, is, like, the same as Cooper, because, yes. like, she's so, uh, she's so dreamy in the scene, like, you, you already mentioned, you know, that she, it's very dreamlike, this, this scene, but mm-hmm. she, like, she herself, like, like Cooper, she sort of speaks in this soft way, so. Do you like coffee? Cream and sugar. E.J. Cooper loves coffee. Audrey. (laughs) (laughs) But E.J. Cooper likes his coffee. Like there's even like sort of physical stuff going on. Like just the way she acts and um, then that moment you talked about where um she asks did uh did laura ever mention my father like it seems sort of like this um like she hasn't has some intuition yeah just like cooper uh like you know dreaming that just all of a sudden out of nowhere like you know did laura ever talk about my father what do you mean No. What do you mean? He used to sing to her. Yeah. And, um, it's also, that, that to me is sort of a creepy moment. Um, creepy? Sort of how do you mean, how do you mean it's creepy? Just because it's... I don't know. It's just creepy to me. So it's, I don't know. It's like, I guess I shouldn't say creepy. It's like ominous. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a better word. I, I'll say that. It's ominous. Just because it's like, she's just like, la-di-da. Hey, well, yeah. I mean, we haven't really like we have all these lists of suspects, but Ben isn't on them. Yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden, she's yeah. bringing up her dad in relation to Laura, and it's like, yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, there's that connection through one of Jacks that we know about now at this point, but People, yeah, it's still not. Yeah, yeah. There's no connection to Laura yet at this point, so it's it's yeah, uh, yeah it's different. Against. Yes, it does absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, and um, uh, and also, I I really feel like. I I wish this had been, like, some sort of setup for her having some connection to all the, like, mystical stuff that's mm. going on in this town. Because, like, you know, she's doing all that, like, dancing. And, yes. And, like, she's wearing, like, that deep red sort of sweater yes. thing. And I feel like that's, like, a connection to the Red Room as well. Right, like, right. Yeah. Because, um, like, I mean, there's a lot of red. There is. And it's... And red is a is a color that it I mean, just in terms of how we react to it in the real world, it's a it's a an intense color. But here it, it almost signifies something evil, I think. It's like Well yeah, it's in one eye jacks. Yeah, it's, there's lots yeah. of red in one eye jacks, there's lots of red in the Great Northern, the red light that hangs from the the that was the stoplight yeah. in town. The red um, one is always a bad sign. Yeah, it almost that. seems like it's it's a yeah. And and then, yeah, she's wearing the red sweater, and it does... I mean, when we get to the end of the episode and the dream sequence, it takes place, like you said, Alexis, in a red room, well, and, and the, the little man is wearing a red dance. suit, yeah. right? And he's dancing. And he's yeah. dancing, yes, exactly. So, so yeah, it, it does almost feel like... And I wonder if that's what they intended with Audrey, and, it, and that things mm-hmm. kind of went off the rails be- for reasons... Which we won't um, get into. Yeah. <laughs> it's too painful, right, Alexis? We don't talk about this. 
Yes. <laughs> but I wonder if that was kind of the plan, right? That she was mm. going to be connected yeah, to that? Yeah, build a stronger connection. Yeah, it makes That's sense. my headcanon anyway. That's what I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll but, accept it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so right before the dream, there's one more scene. Um, oh, there's a couple more scenes. There's a couple more scenes? Yeah, we get the sheriff's there's station. There's one that's awesome. Yeah, we get Rosenfield like, introduced. Oh, no, two. Two, two that are awesome. Oh, Sorry. I forgot about Rosenfield. I'll stop talking now. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, that's what we're having a conversation. Yes. This is great. Um, we, we, get, we go back to the sheriff's station. They find the bloody rag that's uh, at the... Uh, um, down the, the tracks from the train car where Laura and Renette were attacked. Yeah. Um, and, and then Agent Rosenfield shows up. Welcome to Amateur Hour. Who is this acerbic kind of, you know, I mean, a, typical FBI agent who just well, walks in and, and owns the place and is so, this is so beneath him yeah. that he can't even, he just can't even. <laughs> literally. Like literally can't even. Yeah. Um, that he's in this this town. He can't, like it's just, yeah. Um, but he's there to help out and do the, the forensics and everything. Right, Cooper's requested him. If yeah. you remember back in the pilot episode, he says... He wants Albert involved on this, so here comes Albert. Yeah, um, and right away he clashes with uh, Sheriff, Sheriff Truman. Truman. Yeah, I hear that you're real good at what you do. Yeah, that's correct. Well, that's good, because normally if a stranger walked into my station talking this kind of crap, he'd be looking for his teeth two blocks up on Queer Street. And the whole time, Cooper's just standing there with a shit-eating grin on his face, like he's just so pleased that. I yeah, just, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know it, why he does me, that. To me, the first time I saw it, I was like, he's just so positive that he's like, there's no way two people that I like are going to not like each other. He's uh, like he's like a kid mm, who's who's just like, you're, my you're both my friends. My best friends are going to be best friends. Exactly. And then we'll be best friends together, together. forever. Yeah, so he just has this like youthful optimism. <laughs> yeah. And he's just and he gives that thumbs up at the yeah. end to Truman, who's just threatened to beat up his other best friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of, a, it's a really funny scene. What's your read on that that? scene alexis i um i am slightly confused by it um i do think it's a funny scene Mm -hmm. i i just love albert so much but i also like oh i just wonder you know did did cooper hear what truman said because i feel (laughs) like he wasn't very quite like i feel like he must have heard that yeah and and then he's smiling (laughs) and putting his thumb up and i'm just i'm like okay well I mean, it's funny. I, I don't know. It, I don't know what to make of it. Yeah. But it, but it amuses me. It does greatly. It, it amuses is, us yes. all yeah. greatly. Yeah. But it, it does, it does lend kind of a, an odd. I mean, the the show makes no qualms, no bones about the fact that Cooper is an odd person. So yeah. this is could just yeah. be another instance of, this is not a normal person's reaction to. Yeah. To this kind of situation, yeah. <laughs> It makes it slightly surreal, I think. Yeah, yeah. almost dreamlike, maybe. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it doesn't quite make sense. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, a few other little minor plot points get uh, get advanced with um, the drape runners. I think doesn't uh, Nadine realize that? Oh yeah, the the that the drape that Ed's, dropping the oil on them helped. Yeah. So now she has these perfectly silent drape runners. Does that? That happens. I think that's this episode, yeah. And then uh, and then we go to the Blue Pine Lodge and we see that uh, Pete and Catherine have this this icy cold exchange about mink oil and Oh yeah. She yeah, gets really mad at him. Yeah, they they just more of the same with these two, that they do not have a loving marriage at all. 
And uh, although, I mean, I don't know, Alexis, how do you feel about Pete? Uh, he's all right. He's, I mean, to be honest, I'm, I'm not terribly interested in him. Really? <laughs> there are, there are several groups of people in the show that I'm just kind of like, whatever about. Yeah, uh, yeah. And apparently a lot of them are coming up in this episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, I like him well enough. But he is, he is, uh, we find out in this, in this scene, working with Josie, to well to find out what's going on with yeah. Catherine yeah I think more than so anything so he sneaks her a key and she finds the uh, yeah, two yeah. sets of accounting ledgers that Catherine has been keeping so we go to the Palmer house again and this is the first time that Leland kind of breaks down um, it's the night before uh, Laura's funeral yeah and he's dancing he wants to dance he puts on some uh, big band music i think we it's pennsylvania six five thousand, right yeah. which we discovered was what it was it's a, a phone number it's a phone number that's right yeah so um but he's he's he puts on this this song and then he starts dancing around the living room with laura's picture and, and then he is this the other scene alexis that you that you found really interesting here that you wanted to talk about or uh yeah well i i mean i just thought this was a really heartbreaking scene because mm. um, I mean my my taste definitely strays towards it, toward the um uh what's the word I'm looking for like melodramatic is right that the word? Yeah. yeah yeah so stuff like this it's like right up my alley right it is I very mean, soap operatic right like it's a big operatic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> that's the word <laughs> No, it is very much so, right? And and when he smashes the picture, well, Laura, um, sorry, Sarah. Sarah comes in, and she, like, what's going on? Like, what what are Why you are doing? Why are you dancing with a picture? And, and she and he she breaks tries the to stop picture. him, and then yeah, he smashes the picture and cuts himself, and smears his blood all over the picture of Laura, which is really creepy, creepy and weird, but also not entirely. I don't know. It seems like. It almost kind of makes sense because yeah. it's just like it's like he's he's in pain and then he's literally spreading his blood over the picture like right. he's physically in pain now too. Um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a, it, you're it right. It's, it's an scene, intense yeah. sad scene that that's the first time that that Leland has this kind of breakdown. It's this has been purely the the yeah, domain of the, Sarah. Yeah having these emotional it's funny because she gets mad at him for being so upset yeah. like she like knocks the needle off the the record and and uh what is going on what's in going on house? in this house yeah that's what she says yeah and and it comes up again later at the, the funeral in the next episode it, but it yeah it's it's like it's a again. strange thing that she would have that kind of reaction like she was laura was his daughter too and and it's not i don't know maybe be i don't i don't want to bring you know a sexist reading or a feminist reading or anti-feminist reading or something into this. But I mean, just that, that, you know, men shouldn't be showing emotion or something. Maybe, maybe Sarah doesn't have that, that she doesn't have that response because she doesn't understand how to deal with. It's just an odd way to show emotion. It's not like he's crying with the picture. He's dancing with the picture and that's what leads him to cry. Like it's, it's just an odd thing. And again, uh, this is another kind of dreamlike sequence. It's not, super dreamy but he has these uh these ticks i I wrote down my note on this Mm. scene it's just that he has like this like nervous tick and he's he's snapping his fingers right before he starts the music and it's a very very odd thing and it's kind of reminiscent of uh the way 
the man in the other place. Yeah, the, the little man. The little man uh, in the he red kinda room. He kind of jolts around kinda, and is yeah, shaking a lot, right? He and shakes when he's going to... Yeah. And he claps his hand right before he starts, kind of right. similar to the way that the Leland sounds when he's snapping his fingers. So it's another kind of like weird thing where the dream world might be kind of connecting. And, and Alexis, the when we talked about this before, you'd pointed out that there's actually a phone ringing in the background. <sighs> That's that's part of the song. Yeah, I discovered. yeah, oh, yeah. But okay. yeah, okay. that makes sense. That means Which, nothing. But no, but it does. It does make sense in the, in in the context of it. Pennsylvania six five thousand was a phone number. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. And but it it is Pennsylvania is the the state where yes. Agent Cooper and Agent Rosenfield and. Uh, that whole like the FBI well, yeah. are all coming from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So and there's the yeah, and you, in season two you get more of the backstory about what happened in Philadelphia mm-hmm. and so well, in a, Pittsburgh, oh, in but, Pittsburgh, but yeah. still but it's in, in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if that was an intentional choice. Uh, it, it could just be that that's a good song and well yeah, and he danced danced to big band music. Yeah, that's what he does. Yeah. And it's a famous song and but yeah, it's, uh, and it works. But yeah, no, yeah. it's but I mean I guess it also like I mean it just made me think about. Um, I think you guys might have talked about this, like the use of technology, like in the, I think it was the pilot episode, how right. everyone like finds out the the bad news, like over the telephone and yes. stuff like that. Yeah. 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 So it sort of, to me, like felt like a continuation of that. In yeah. Some that's a good point. Exactly. Yeah. That, that the, and not just over the telephone, but in the like intercoms and, no. and stuff like that. Okay. So technology being used to relay this information. So well, the relay pain. Well, really, and to relay, yeah, then. exactly. So here, technology—it's—it's a—it's an old gramophone, like a record player, a song about a telephone, a telephone yeah. and it is relaying pain. This is Leland's pain that we're seeing on yeah. screen. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that is that it that could all be thematically yeah, linked that way for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, and then, um, just once again, like him, him smearing his blood on. Uh, the on the picture mm-hmm. it's like there we got the color red again yes mm-hmm. exactly so many connections to the dream yeah. and the yeah. fact that it covers her face and you can still see her picture underneath it but there's this this red like glaze over her like the blood mm-hmm. um and it's bright red blood it's not real blood it's it's like temper paint right mm-hmm. so it's very it's very bright it's very obvious and yeah that's a really good point that there's another instance of of red being brought up in a in a negative, very negative context. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, which brings us immediately right yeah. to this final scene, which is the dream that we've been all been waiting for. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Cooper goes to bed at the Great Northern, and yeah. right away you get the dream sequence. And, yeah, uh, you meet Mike and Bob. Yes. Yeah, so Mike is. We find out uh, the, the name one-armed. of the one-armed man in Cooper's dream. Yeah, and he relays a story about being. Uh, friends with this guy named Bob and they were killers together and they lived above a convenience store and they had uh, a, tattoo. a tattoo on their arm saying well yeah this is fire walk with me he relays the poem yeah. the the cryptic poem through the darkness of future past the magician longs to see one chance out between two worlds fire walk with me and um and then admits that he cut off the arm when he saw the face of god and and i guess kind of went straight so cutting off the arm means in that sense removing the evil from him and then uh you get a little bit of bob and bob gives his um 
Bob is the same character that that Laura saw in, or sorry, that Sarah saw in a previous episode peering out from behind um, Laura's bed. So now he's back and he gives a little speech, a little poem that... Catch you with my death bag. You may think I've gone insane, but I promise I will kill and and then the dream shifts to this red room and the rest of the episode takes place in this red room where we see cooper but it's an older version of cooper he's got wrinkles on his face his hair's a little bit gray and he's sitting in a chair and there's um this little man dancing in a red suit and his speech has been reversed and his actions, like his movements are reversed too. And, and that's just because of the way that they film the scene. It gives it this, this very disjointed, yeah. otherworldly feel. Yeah. And uh, what are some of the things that... So then, yeah, so he's, he says, let's rock. And then he starts talking to Cooper. He says, does my cousin look exactly like Laura Palmer? Because there's a woman who's yes. Laura Palmer in the chair next to him. Mm-hmm. And Cooper's like, well, it is Laura Palmer. And then he asks Laura Palmer, are you Laura Palmer? Uh, and she says... And then the little man. Yeah. Sorry, you're no, looking I, at me funny. <laughs> no, I just wanted to include Alexis. Yeah, yeah. Um, that what 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 else does uh, the little man say? Well, we get another clue in this mystery he talks about how the birds sing a pretty song right. and there's always music in the air yes yeah that's a great line yeah, yeah. it is a great yeah. line and he also has the, the line of i've got the news that the mule is dying to come back in style which does come back later on but um but it's this very cryptic kind yeah. of... Um, it doesn't mean much of anything. <laughs> no, no, not immediately. We, we don't really know what, what the hell is going on. But um, it's... But it's like unsettling and... Yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's because of the way that, it's, that the words are spoken and the actions are done, it feels like you know you're in a dream. And uh, and then so Cooper wakes up immediately. Oh no! Oh, no it, first wait, of all, because Laura, Laura gets up from her seat after the the little man starts dancing, and she gets up from her seat and she walks over to Cooper in the dream, and uh, kisses him, and then whispers something in his ear. And that's when. And he wakes that's up. when Cooper wakes up. And, and he has a great cowlick kind yes. of whatever it is that his hair is doing. Uh, and then he picks up the phone right away and he dials uh, Sheriff Truman. Yeah. And lets him know, I know who killed Laura Palmer. Yeah. And then he says, it can wait until morning. Implying is, that, that Truman wants to just, just, just tell, tell him. tell me. Come on, tell me. And he's Why like, Why didn't no, you tell him? It'll wait. And Why didn't he tell him? Yeah, we never get that answer. It's kind of annoying. I, cause, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Alexis. I, I really just think he's delusional because he just yeah. woke up. Yeah. yeah. No, it makes sense. Yeah. He hangs up the phone and he starts snapping his fingers. But he's, he's hearing the music. And this is something that I I think about every time. It's like... Is is the music still playing in his head? How Maybe, is he yeah. like? There's there's a lot of play in in Twin Peaks between diegetic and non diegetic music that like music that exists in the world of the show and music that exists for our purposes yeah. as an audience. And it's not really clear what that is here because before this it seemed like it was in the world of the dream. 
So Cooper shouldn't be able to hear it and be snapping his fingers. Well, no, it's not in the world of the dream. It's in the mm-hmm. it's in the world of the camera. Like the camera is the one that adds the music on top. But the man's dancing. I think so. Cooper no, so in that dream should have known the sound, so he would be able. That's what I'm to, saying. But then, in when he wakes up, he's no longer in the dream. Yeah, so but he how could remember he it. Well, yeah, and that's that's that, but that's a dreamlike thing. Like, how many times have have you woken up and you still hear yeah. the things that are happening in your dream? So it's a nice touch. I just oh, okay, that's my okay. point. You're not saying there's an issue with it. No, I'm just good, I yeah. just think it's an interesting way of connecting the dream to the real world. And I think it goes to what you were saying, Alexis, about how he's still kind of yeah, like just waking up from the dream. He's not quite alert. 100%, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, so. Makes sense. Yeah. But so yeah, I mean, this and this dream really ties the whole episode together. It gets back to the log lady stuff and yeah. talking about where ideas come from, but also links to the Tibet dream that. Well, yeah, that obviously Cooper this had. is a, a series of dreams, and one of them is about Tibet, and one of them is now about this, and yeah, uh, yeah, and then it pushes the plot in terms of who killed Laura Palmer because apparently he knows, and um, it ties all the other kind of dreamlike sequences. Yeah. Back. So it's 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 definitely this is this is an episode all about dreams and it's it's meant for us to recognize that dreams are important and they're not something that should be dismissed so easily yeah where other shows would have would have treated them with a little bit more contempt the show kind of respects them yeah in in most other tv shows well most other mediums when you're you're talking about a dream it's not it has no basis in reality. Mm-hmm. It's just there to either like maybe scare the character or to reveal some sort of like inner truth about the yeah. character. That's not how dreams are in Twin Peaks. In no, Twin Peaks, there's like, a there's like are, objective truth yeah, that's like, being revealed. Yeah, like there's there's a dream world that actually exists out there, and these characters are actually taking part in it. Yeah, um, and that's yeah, that's not like anything else. No, for sure. So yeah, um, yeah, it's really cool. I mean, did you have anything else, Alexis? Did you want to add a uh, any extra takes on that one? Well, everything I have is, like, really small things, like, ha, 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 his hair was sticking up. <laughs> so, but, yeah, I really I really do love what this show does with dreams. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really great. Um, as you said, it's quite different. And I, I think it's, it's weird that the audience dropped off after this that's what yeah. you said right yeah i mean i guess it's understandable but for me it like it just draws me in more exactly i'm like how could you not like this yeah, well that's the thing it's almost like this this episode is how i when i introduce the show to other people i say give it to at least the end of episode three because by then you'll be hooked. by then either you'll be hooked or this will be too weird and you won't be able to watch anymore and that's it's kind of the litmus test for yeah. for the rest of the, the series, the series yeah. whether yeah. you're gonna like it or not, and most people that I know, they can't, they can't not watch it after this yeah. episode because it's so. Uh, well, it's just it's it's captivating. You're mm-hmm. like, what is going on? Like, it just it raises so many new questions. Yeah, and it's filmed so interesting, and and like, yeah, it's just really. And then there's a funny bit at the end with the hair and stuff. It's yeah, it's just a great, <laughs> it's a great scene. Like, I love it. So anyway, that's uh, that's this episode. Uh, <laughs> so, so thanks for uh, joining us, Alexis. And uh, we hope you'll come back in future episodes. We can have more of your take on on yeah. this show. Yeah, cool. <laughs> we can talk about random little funny things. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah, perfect. Because there's a lot of that in yeah. uh, in future episodes. It's worth talking about mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Okay. So thanks for tuning in. Yeah. See you later.